Hey everyone, this is Nahani Rouse. Before we dive into this episode of Can We Talk, I wanted to remind you that our podcast survey closes at the end of April. We'd love to hear from you. You can find the survey online at jwa.org slash podcast survey. Please fill it out. It'll help us improve the show. Okay, let's go. How are we enabling people who are struggling to participate in the community? If all we do is publicize kitty events for families and people who are struggling with fertility, we're telling them you don't matter. She was like, oh, you should come to our synagogue, come on a Friday night. And I remember thinking, why am I going to come? Because I'm going to walk in there and there's going to be babies and kids everywhere. And it's all going to be about the family service and this, you know, bar mitzvah and everything else. And I'm going to walk out of there and I'm going to be sad. This is not a new issue that is presenting itself. You know, we look at our Torah and we see every one of the matriarchs dealing with this. They're dealing with with infertility, with even surrogacy, with, you know, all these other issues. And only today are we starting to talk about it. And, and how does it play into our community and the Jewish responsibility? And I think, I think, I think they're starting to hear us. This is Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. This month, we're sharing another story from our series about infertility in the Jewish community. This episode of Can We Talk is sponsored in part by the UJA Federation of New York to support awareness of fertility challenges in the Jewish community. As UJA's Shana Bloom says, This is a Jewish communal issue, and until we see it that way, there are always going to be people who are left feeling on the margins. One out of every eight couples who are trying to conceive experience infertility. And some experts estimate that for Jews, it's closer to one in six. That's because, on average, Jews are among those who are starting families later. But infertility can affect people of all ages and genders. Naomi Less is a singer-songwriter and Jewish educator. She struggled with infertility for years. During that time, she did something most people don't do. She went public about what she was going through. The more stories are shared, the more this becomes not stigmatized. Like, this is normal. So many people go through this. Naomi doesn't want people going through this to feel alone anymore. So she's trying to lift the silence about infertility in the Jewish community. She's using a theater piece, complete with song and dance, to start a community-wide conversation. Naomi co-wrote the music with her husband, Glenn Grossman. The theater piece is basically supposed to do what we're doing right now, which is to spark conversation, to spark discussion and introspection in a community so that they can look around and say, oh, there are people here who are invisible, who we really haven't been thinking about. The theater piece is called Trimester for the three stages of pregnancy, but it's spelled T-R-Y in reference to people who are trying to have babies. Time, cycles, and waiting are central themes in the performance, which is a compilation of songs, monologues, and dance routines, punctuated by the steady tick of a clock. 
Before we get further into the performance, let's back up a few years and talk about Naomi's own experience with infertility. Basically, we started trying um, at my <laughs> the weekend of my nephew's bar mitzvah. That's how I track it. It took Naomi and Glenn seven years to finally have a baby. They went through countless rounds of in vitro fertilization, multiple doctors, several miscarriages, and two different egg donors. In the midst of this, Naomi began to blog. She wrote, I can't seem to get pregnant and have a baby. Those simple words resonated with more people than she could have imagined. Friends she didn't know had struggled with infertility started sharing their experiences with her. Over and over, she would ask herself, why am I only hearing about this now? Naomi started writing, speaking, and more widely sharing her story. She pleaded with audiences to acknowledge how common infertility is in the Jewish community. Here she is in a 2015 Eli Talks lecture. I pray from the words of my own heart. I know I will make a great parent. I have so much love to give. And the result? And the feelings? Desperation? Paralysis? Deep, profound sadness? And isolation. The isolation made everything worse. But then, while still in the throes of fertility treatment, Naomi teamed up with a fertility support organization called Uprooted. Funded by UJA, Uprooted worked with Naomi and a theater company called The Inheritance Project. They interviewed dozens of women and their partners, sifted through the material, and created the trimester theater piece. Four actors play a series of composite characters, a man and three women. Naomi is one of the actors. Her story and dozens of others are woven into the performance. There were moments of total despair, of complete despair, of like, you know, where am I in the story is built off of that idea. You don't know if you're wow, after this cycle and it didn't work, is this like the beginning of this journey? Am I still at the beginning? Do I have like years more to go or am I near the end? I had a really hard time thinking about when this was gonna end. And here's Naomi singing. Count the years that pass, you think you're almost done. Count the moons, you think you're near the end. Count the times you steal yourself from what's to come Counting never makes the picture clear So where am I? And there's no map. There's no, no one to guide you or to tell you you need to stop doing IVF now or people suggest it or you need to not do egg donation anymore or your body can't handle this or you need a surrogate or you should think about adoption. Nobody's really going to tell you that. So it's kind of like, oh, I have to make these decisions with my partner, or if I'm a single person, I have to make these decisions by myself. It's pretty intense. In one scene in the performance, a woman finds a letter crumpled on the floor after a yoga class. She sits alone on stage and reads it aloud. A letter to my womb. Dear womb, I don't have time to write you. Why should I make time for you when you have disappointed and failed me? 
been unattached and distant, unresponsive and silent. That is literally lifted. There's two things that are lifted out of my journal. One is the letter to my womb. I wrote a letter to my womb and that's the letter I wrote. These veins have nothing more to give. I can feel you saying enough. And the other piece is something I wrote in my journal to my mom after she passed away when I decided that I was, um, we were gonna go forward with, egg, with an egg donor. And the emotions of, you know, I guess it hit me pretty hard that I was not gonna be able to utilize any of my genetic material. Will she embody your nature from my nurture? Will that be enough? Because she will never really know you and for that I am sorry. Because she will have your name. Just like in the performance, Naomi named her daughter after her mother. In another scene, a woman sits cross-legged on the floor next to her husband. She performs a ritual of counting days on a calendar and giving herself shots in the belly. On the other side of the stage, another woman makes challah, eats yams, and shakes coins in a charity box, all rituals associated with fertility. Trimester also explores what it's like to search for a sperm or egg donor. Green eyes, brown hair, five foot two. Brown eyes, black hair, dad was a Jew. Their parents were divorced, this one's were together. The choice I make is one that's forever. There's some humor, too. Jokes about spilled seed and driving through New York City traffic with a semen sample in a cup. There are also glimpses into the insensitive things that people say. Congratulations! What do you do? I'm not. Oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> I just thought that... I was pregnant, I know, but... Sean! Uh, apologize immediately! I, I'm so sorry, my brother is such an ass. No, I'm just not pregnant. Trimester also explores male infertility. Me? The husband of hers shooting blanks? Who can't make a baby? change a tire, ride a bike, who fails in manhood, even though I would like to be the definition of a man as I see it. Every so often I take myself out of the rehearsal and just kind of sit back and take myself back through the journey of how that dance was made was through someone's story that we heard. Or that, the, that line that somebody said is the song I'm singing. That's what we were trying to do is make somebody's story come to life. Naomi and Glenn's daughter was born just as they were putting the finishing touches on the music for Trimester. I basically made a vow, you know, um, when I decided to share my story. I made this vow that I was, whatever happened when I eventually became a mother, because that was the end goal, I was going to become a mother however it happened, um, that I would not give up and I would stick to this and stay with it. Sticking with it for Naomi means continuing to live and breathe a painful experience, literally putting herself back in the role, even after she could have put it all behind her. But she knows sharing stories is the first step to helping people. I saw the first performance of Trimester, along with a small audience at the Jewish Community Center in Oceanside, Long Island. Several JCCs in the area had co-organized this event, and the audience reflected a cross-section of the Jewish community, from secular to religious. 
Many of the people watching personally identified with the subject. So I have my own um, nine-year journey um, with infertility. Marcy Hallerman was in the audience with her husband. She's the director of social services at the Oceanside JCC. When I was going through it myself, um, the Jewish community was not a place that I felt I could turn to. I mean, like walking into a synagogue was difficult because there's always talk about kids and kids on the bima and people walking around with babies and even sometimes coming to work here, coming to work and seeing the baby buggies, I'm going to tear up now as I'm talking about it, um, is hard. This JCC, like so many others, has a preschool and lots of kid-centered activities. The playground is right next to the front door of the building. During the day, children's shouts and laughter fill the halls. The Jewish community is so much about family and so much about kids, but they don't necessarily um, acknowledge or talk about infertility. But there are so many people in the Jewish community that are struggling. For the year following the performance of Trimester, local JCCs will host support groups and counseling programs. Marcy will be overseeing the ones at Oceanside. She says there's never been this kind of program at the JCCs on Long Island. I think the community needs to say, hey, we, we recognize that there are people um, who are going through this and who are shying away and say, come, you're, you're, this is a safe place, and, and come back. Marcy says just the invitation to talk should go a long way. Because I think it's so hidden. Like when we first, my husband and I first started um, the process, um, he didn't even want to tell his parents that we were trying to get pregnant and that it wasn't working. There are echoes of what Marcy went through in trimester. You know, why does my journey, my pain, my suffering have to be shrouded in secrecy? Why not just tell everybody everything always? It just really hit. It touched a nerve and hit home. And the hope and the fear and, and all of the emotions and everything that goes in, went into it. Marcy started trying to get pregnant when she was 29. She had multiple miscarriages. She had surgery. She and her husband tried adoption, but twice the adoptions fell through just before the babies were born. Finally, after nine years, she gave birth to a healthy baby girl. There are moments of joy in the trimester piece and moments of anguish. Longed-for pregnancies take root. Unseen babies are cuddled by grateful women. In one scene, a woman stands alone in the middle of the stage as two others walk past, cooing into their baby slings. In another scene, two women you thought were pregnant are now rocking on the floor, silently weeping, one consoled by a partner, the other alone. It wasn't only happy endings, and that's what um, I want you know want people to know. I've been involved in this for a while. I'm Riva Judas. I'm the director of Nechama Comfort, which is an organization that helps families with infant pregnancy loss. For nearly a decade, Riva's organization has supported families after the trauma of miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss. Riva is a certified hospital chaplain. She proudly works with everyone from atheists to orthodox. I asked her how she thought the show would be received in the communities she works with. It varies amongst, you know, uh, everybody. And, that, you know, you can't make a generalization. And, and that I've been doing this for so many years, and it's really, I think, more than a religious uh, 
the religious uh, differences, it's really generational. You know, I'll meet older reform rabbis who also don't want to talk about it. As you know, and I meet ultra-orthodox younger people who want to share it and talk about it. So I think more than the religion, it's the, it's the generation that we need to educate. Three decades ago, Riva and her husband had a baby who died when he was only 12 hours old. She then had several miscarriages in between the births of her four children. She says back then there was no communal recognition of what she and her husband were going through. For so many years, uh, my husband and I had to suffer in silence. Uh, our journey happened, you know, starting 31 years ago. And there was nothing in the secular world, the Jewish world. Nobody talked about anything. They even told us not to go for therapy. What did we need therapy for? We knew why we were depressed. A gathering like this theater performance, Riva says, would have made a lot of difference to her back then. The emotional pain of infertility is only one piece of the picture that Naomi Less hopes the Jewish community will help with. There's also the financial burden of fertility treatment. I had been borrowing money from, not even borrowing, people had gifted me money, I used my own money, um, and we said, how many more times are we going to do this? And you kind of make a deal and then you, you kind of revoke the deal. It's like you're at the blackjack table and you're like, I'm only going to spend $200 tonight. And they're like, all right, 250 but this gamble can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Naomi likes to say that her fertility treatments cost a year of Jewish day school tuition, a couple summers at camp, and a year of college tuition. Treatments are rarely covered by health insurance. For Naomi and her husband, the expense was daunting. They're both musicians, and she's an educator in the Jewish community. Um, I definitely depleted a lot of my funds. Naomi even thought about launching a Kickstarter campaign to fund her fertility treatments. Nobody wants to ask for charity. I want to raise money for people, you know. So that was really hard. And I think in our most vulnerable, in my most vulnerable time in my life, it was just really challenging to have to, like, suck it up and ask people for help like this. Um, it was really, really hard, and I don't think that people should have to do that. I think we should make it easier for them. Naomi wants Jewish institutions to recognize infertility as a communal problem, and she wants Jewish organizations to help families pay for treatment. They're already in emotional straits. They're already feeling like my body's failing me. They're already feeling like, how many years am I going to go through this? They're already feeling Inco like incompetent, you know, or maybe they're feeling like they're blaming their partner, they're blaming themselves. I mean, there's so much. Why do we have to make it even harder for them when there's money out there to help send people to Israel, to help people go to day school, to help people go to camp? And it's like, great. Like, these are people that are actually interested in being a part of the Jewish community. And if they had children, They'd want to send those children to those places. So you're saying to create a funding pool, or so, like, what are you suggesting? Absolutely, I would love to see a group of funders attack this problem like they do so well with so many other issues that they want to tackle. There's complications around how many times do you fund somebody, how much money, but like, there are people that get this. There are models out there. This should be an easy thing to to create. It's true. There are models out there, but not many. And it doesn't sound simple. 
When institutions get involved at this level of family life, it's bound to be complicated. How many children should be funded in each family? Who qualifies for help medically? Who qualifies financially? And if the goal is helping build Jewish families, who qualifies as a Jewish family? There are fewer than half a dozen organizations that give grants to Jewish families for fertility treatment. Mostly, they're tiny startups, like the Jewish Fertility Foundation in Atlanta. Ilana Frank started the foundation in 2015. Since then, they've given just over $100,000 to nine couples undergoing in vitro fertilization in metro Atlanta. They've been able to help only a small fraction of the people who have applied. The God factor in there is, is very stressful because... Who are we to say they're coming desperate to us for a child and all we want to do is help, but we do not have all the funds in the world to help everybody at this point. So it's a process um, and it's always, you know, it's really, really hard. The foundation and its medical advisory board have come up with a formula. Here are some of the criteria. They fund women who are 37 years old and younger who have received a diagnosis of infertility. But we're also looking at the viability and likelihood of her conceiving. So they, get, they literally are saying very likely, likely, or not likely at all. And they only fund IVF because it has the best track record for success. Then there's the financial piece. The board of directors looks for people who need help. But Ilana says there's a sweet spot. They also want to be sure couples have enough money to raise a child. And since the fund is designed to help Jewish families... They also have to make a determination about that. It's a hard question, and there were lots of meetings initially on our board of directors. The board includes people from all the different Jewish communities in Atlanta. We are very flexible, and we are reminded, even though our board is made up of, of everyone, because infertility affects everyone, um, that we are not like calling people up to Torah here. We are helping families who need our help to create families. Um, but we do follow the reform movement's definition of what is a Jew. In other words, the Jewish Fertility Foundation will fund couples if either parent is Jewish. They have not yet funded same-sex couples, but Hasidah, which gives grants nationally, has. Hasidah's criteria differs slightly, but the size and the number of grants they've given is similar. It's a drop in the bucket, but Naomi Less is hopeful that it's the start of something bigger. My hope and prayer is that more, th more places like Hasidah and like Jewish Fertility Foundation, that we see these as examples and that the national Jewish community gets on board with this. I mean, this is Jewish continuity. You can't get more Jewish continuity than this issue. And this issue isn't new. The struggle with infertility is woven into the origin story of the Jewish people. For Naomi, that can be both a source of strength and of alienation. It's comforting to know the matriarchs went through the same things she did, but the messages about divine intervention are troubling. For me, personally, I look to the matriarchs, Hannah and Sarah, and I have a lot of theological problems with the kind of setup that's pray to God, God will answer, and God will give you a child. And if God doesn't answer, then your answers are either you didn't pray hard enough, the answer is no, or not yet. For whatever reason, I'm having for, I had fertility challenges. So the way that prayer is helpful to me is please 
you know, help me find the strength through friends, through myself, you know, help me to refuel that, that, um, that well, that reservoir that I can draw from so that I can get through this, so I can be okay. And the other th- pieces around waiting, prayer helped me when I was waiting, waiting for a result, waiting for whatever the waiting game is, um, you know, help me to have the strength to handle whatever, whatever happens, whatever the answer is. I chant the blessing for the new moon. The compassionate one, Rachman, which is also Rechem, which is womb, renew for us this month. You've been listening to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. We'd like to thank the UJA Federation of New York for supporting this episode, the second in our series on infertility in the Jewish community. UJA New York has partnered with Uprooted and the Inheritance Project to create the theater piece Trimester and to bring the performance to communities in the New York area. For more in our series on infertility, check out Making a Family, about one couple's experience with surrogacy. You'll find it at jwa.org slash canwetalk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Edith Solomon of Chassidah, Ilana Frank of the Jewish Fertility Foundation, Riva Judas of Nechama Comfort, Marcy Hallerman, Shana Bloom, Emily Kuttner, and Naomi Less. The Can We Talk team includes Judith Rosenbaum and Rachel King. Ibi Caputo edits our scripts. Our theme music is by Girls in Trouble. You also heard music from the Trimester Theater production by Naomi Less and Glenn Grossman. One more plug for our listener survey. If you haven't taken it yet, please do. It's at jwa.org slash podcast survey. We're closing the survey at the end of April, and we'd love to have your input. Thanks. We'll be back next month. I'm your host, Nahani Rouse.